0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This is a holy night. I've been told by many of you uh, that Maundy, the Maundy Thursday service is your favorite service of the year. Uh, it is uh, a completely unique service. From anything that we do for the rest of the year, the foot washing uh, the foot washing that we do, Bob, can you turn that down for me just a little bit? It's a little loud. Uh, it's just a totally unique service, the foot washing that we do, the stripping of the altar, which will come and at the end of the service. Uh, one of the most moving and spirit-filled moments of my ordained career uh, came on a Monday, Thursday uh, 10 years ago, 2008. Uh, I was an associate uh, in, rector in Charleston, South Carolina, John's Island, and my rector had preached, and I was uh, celebrating communion. And as I was speaking the words, this is my body, on Monday Thursday, I realized I was 33 years old, which is the same age that Jesus was when he spoke those words originally. And I was just, I was just overcome, really, with emotion, and I looked over... Um, and the chalice bearer was weeping. Just, there's just a palpable sense of the Holy Spirit. It's a holy night. And it's not really because there's any magic uh, in this Thursday night in and of itself, but it is a holy night because of what this night remembers and because of what this night proclaims. Monday Thursday uh, ushers us into this weekend. Uh, that is, as Trent spoke of on Sunday, something of a spiritual and emo- an emotional roller coaster. Uh, if Palm Sunday started us up the clack 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 ascent of the roller coaster uh, with sort of nervous anxiety of what was to come, Monday Thursday crests the hill and uh, we Come over the top. We begin to see down to the depths and, uh, before you take the plunge. Tomorrow, Good Friday, we will uh, go all the way to the bottom and then through Saturday's dark tunnel out into the glorious heights of Easter on Sunday morning. And So tonight, as we crest the hill, it's a holy night. Tonight is holy because it takes us back in time to an intimate supper in an upper room. On the night before Jesus died. It was the night before he died, which was the act of God's delivering and saving grace. It was not mere coincidence that this supper, this last supper that Jesus shared with his disciples in his pre resurrection body, uh, that it was a Passover meal. And in that meal, Jesus and his disciples, in that meal, we see three things. We see Jesus commemorating the Passover. We see Jesus fulfilling the Passover. And we see Jesus applying the Passover. So commemorating, fulfilling, and applying. So First, commemorating. Jesus is commemorating the Passover in that meal. Jesus and his disciples were gathered there in that upper room, to do what all the other people of Jewish faith were doing that night and what many of our Jewish friends will do tomorrow night. That is to have a meal that would take them back in time, recalling and retelling the story of another intimate meal, which happened the night before another act of God's delivering and saving grace. Jesus and his disciples we're there to celebrate the Passover. Now, if you're a little fuzzy on what the Passover is, let me give you some context. Somewhere in the neighborhood of about 1,300 years before the time of Christ, the Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt. And they had been for generations, like 400 years. And with each successive generation, the labor had gotten harder, and they came a point, there came a point where they cried out to God. And God heard their cry and he raised up Moses to demand on his behalf that Pharaoh let his people go. Nine times Moses asked for the release of the Hebrews. And nine times Pharaoh refused. And nine times consequently God sent plagues upon the land of Egypt. He turned the Nile into blood. And he sent gnats and frogs, and locusts, and darkness, and more. And yet, Pharaoh refused. And so through Moses, God warned Pharaoh of a tenth and final plague. It would be a terrible plague against the terrible hardness of Pharaoh's iron will. The tenth plague would be the death of the firstborn in Egypt, The Lord would visit the land in judgment. But God provided his people with an escape from his judgment. Each Hebrew family was to prepare a lamb for dinner in a particular way. It was roasted, had bitter herbs. And then they were to take the blood of the lamb, which they had prepared, and they were to paint some of that blood over the doorposts of their houses. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall destroy you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall destroy you. This is the Passover. God, it was the night that God passed over his people, but visited judgment upon the enemies of his people. The Passover was the night that God saved His people from His own judgment. God's Spirit looked upon the blood on the doorposts and knew that there had already been a death there. And so there need not be another one. And every firstborn Jew could look to the Lamb that they had prepared for their family, their Passover Lamb, and say, that Lamb died in my place. And that night, while there was bitter wailing in Egypt, the Hebrew people walked out of Egypt under the saving hand of God who had passed over them. And They walked out of slavery and they headed for the promised land. And so it was that Jesus and his disciples and all of the other faithful Jews gathered to eat the meal that commemorated that Passover event according to their traditions. They used a sacred meal to remember and to worship the God who rescues his people from his own judgment against sin. He is the God who loves, he is the God who saves, and he is the God who delivers his people from oppression. Jesus was commemorating the Passover. But then Jesus broke from the traditional liturgy of the meal. He stood up and he took the unleavened bread of the Passover meal, which is the thin bread without yeast, like this. And he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. And then he took the cup of wine and he said, This is my blood, which is poured out for you. He said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. So Jesus here was fulfilling the Passover. Now what do I mean by that? He was fulfilling the Passover. All my life, when I have introduced myself to people, Hi, I'm Joe Gibbs. Times too numerous to count. People have come back and said, Oh, did you used to coach the Redskins? How's the racing team doing? And, and of course they're joking. They all hope that I'm, I'm somehow related uh, to the much more famous Joe Gibbs who coached the Washington Redskins to three Super Bowl victories in the 80s and who now owns several NASCAR teams. And all my life, uh, from the time that I was in grade school and less frequently but still occasionally today, Uh, I have heard about him. I've read about him. I've even read a book or two that was written by him. And a few years ago, I got to meet him. For 25 years, I had wanted to meet the real Joe Gibbs, as everybody else seems to call him. I felt like I was pretty real, but uh, they wanted to meet the real Joe Gibbs. I wanted to meet the real Joe Gibbs, and he was the man that I'd heard about. For all these years, he was the man I'd read about. He's the man I uh, had, had, uh, had wanted to see. And there he was, standing right in front of me. He actually uh, signed a little book that I have uh, of his, uh, and, and he wrote on, on this little track, he says, uh, Joe, nice name. So, um... <laughs> Wasn't exactly what I built up for twenty five years, but that's another story. Um, but I wonder if that just gets to—I mean, just an inkling, not my—I mean, it, it, just an inkling of the sense that Jesus was trying to convey as He held up the bread and the wine at Passover meal, and says, "I'm the one that you've heard about all these years. I'm the one that you've been reading about in the Scriptures. I am the one uh, that your ancestors have longed to see standing right in front of you." Tomorrow, Jesus would have said to the disciples, Tomorrow, my body is going to be like this bread, broken for you. And tomorrow, my blood is going to be like this wine, poured out for you. And what you're going to see on that cross, and what this meal now is always going to proclaim, is that I, Jesus would have said, I am the ultimate Passover lamb. And God's Spirit will look upon my blood, which is placed over the doorpost of your heart, and know that there has already been a death, and there need not be another one. And you can look at me and say, That lamb died in my place. Friends, that's the very definition of grace. God took his own judgment upon himself. Delivering us, saving us, not because we've earned it, but because he loved us. Because he is the redeemer of his own creation, because we are created to receive his love and to be free from the bondage of our sins, guilt, and power. And so from that night before Jesus died, whenever we gather in his name, whenever we eat the bread and drink the wine here at the altar. We remember Him and how He's loved us and how He's died for our sins. Now that would surely have been more than the disciples could have taken in and understood in that moment. But there it was, the institution of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, this is my body, this is my blood, broken, (coughs) poured out for you. Jesus is the final and ultimate Passover lamb. Jesus was fulfilling the Passover. And that same church on John's Island in South Carolina, one of my favorite things about it, uh, the architecture was such that for the celebrant, standing at the altar over the chalice, looking into the chalice in the wine, you could see the reflection of the cross. And that's exactly what that meal communicates. In the bread and in the wine, we see the cross. Because Jesus has fulfilled the Passover. But but he doesn't stop there. Jesus was commemorating the Passover. He's fulfilling the Passover. And then Jesus applies the Passover. And he teaches us to do the same. When he gets up from the table and washes the feet of his disciples, Jesus is taking the role of the lowest servant. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the one who deserves the praise of all creation. And he is providing further sacramental illustration that he came not to be served, but to serve. Before he died so that we could live, he is now passing the torch. He is saying, now it's your turn. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another to the same degree and in the same manner that I have loved you. Demonstrate, Jesus is saying, demonstrate my sacrificial and serving love for the world by dying to yourself and loving and serving others. There's not a bait and switch, as if to say, first you get grace and now you get busy. But it is a gracious invitation. He is gloriously incorporating us into his mission to love and to save the world. This is a transforming participation in the character of Christ. Because he died for us, we are freed to live for others. Freed from the selfishness, which is the inevitable consequence of our sin sin has been lifted. We are freed from serving ourselves to serving others. His sacrificial death would pay for our sin and clear the way for us to respond to such love by loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. In taking the job of the lowest servant, Jesus is teaching us that nothing, no task is now below you. When it comes to serving your neighbor's good. And especially when it comes to offering to them and proclaiming to them the the salvation that Jesus offers. And when they see your service, and they ask you, why are you doing that? Why are you serving me when you got nothing to gain? You get to say, because Jesus loves me. And he gave himself for me, and so I get to give myself for you and share Jesus' love with you it's not loving in terms of affection it's loving in terms of proclamation servant evangelism and so if you choose in just a moment to participate in the foot washing and as you have your feet washed you are being reminded of what the Lord has done for you he has washed away your sins and he washes us of the sin that we pick up along the way And then as you then wash someone else's feet, you are being reminded what we are to do for others with the love of Jesus. Washing the disciples' feet, Jesus is applying the Passover, demonstrating through loving service that our God is a God of deliverance and salvation. A God who loves his people and sets them free. That is his character. That's who he is. And yet, even in this action, this action which we will repeat in just a moment, He is pointing us ahead. He is pointing us to Friday's cross. This is a holy night. And as we wash one another's feet and as we eat of the bread and the wine, let us crest the hill and look to the depths. Let us look to Friday's cross and know that we are loved by our delivering In saving God. Amen.